This episode of the Incluvi Movie Podcast is brought to you by Wolf Greenfield. Welcome to the Incluvi Movie Podcast, where we talk about all things media and diversity. I'm Kathy Yee. And I'm Talia Warber. For today's podcast, we're going to be discussing the 2021 Emmy Awards for television, whether or not it was hashtag Emmy So White, and the controversy surrounding that. We'll also be joined by Anselm Beach of Too Much Screen Time to hear his thoughts on the event. But before that, we're going to get into our pop culture moment and talk about what's new and trending in entertainment. This week has been an exciting week in the world of fashion with the premiere of Rihanna's now third annual Savage X Fenty show a genre-defying runway show that celebrates bodies of all shapes and sizes. After years of fashion shows like Victoria's Secret, which notoriously excluded plus-size and trans models, Fenty features a completely open audition process for all models, regardless of gender, sex, size, or ethnicity. The lineup features some notable stars, like ballroom legend Leomi Modenado, pop star Normani, and trailblazing makeup artist Gottmik. The show is absolutely stunning, and if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. Another major premiere this week is everyone's favorite cheery cooking competition, The Great British Bake Off. The show is really such a shining beacon of positivity and also features a a diverse cast of bakers. It's really a feel-good show and is much needed during these hard times. We're giving some great recommendations this episode. I hope everyone is writing these down. And now we'll be moving on to our main topic of the day, the Emmys. So there will be plenty more where that came from. So what did you think of the Emmys this year? It was an entertaining show. And Cedric the Entertainer, which was perfect, was actually fantastic. But you know, Variety, CNN, and others were really using that hashtag White this year. And the results do show that, especially when it comes to the acting awards. There were a record number of diverse actors and actresses who were nominated, but all of the winners were somehow still white. We have The Crown, which won 11 awards. Ted Lasso took home four, and The Mayor of Easttown won three. There really weren't any people of color winning in acting this year, and that matters a lot. The characters and protagonists are who everyone, the viewers and audience alike, are really connecting with. I do think Ted Lasso connected with a lot of audiences, though, you know? He, he's just so warm and friendly, and that's definitely not a role we're used to seeing Jason Sudeikis play. But the show is about a football coach who goes to England to coach professional soccer, while Mirror of Easttown is about a police investigation of a murder in a small Pennsylvania town. And The Crown is about England's Queen Elizabeth II and Princess Diana. And although the winning shows may be great, and there may be some people of color who pop in once or twice... It's clear that what the Emmys deem as noteworthy and worthy of accolades is still within a very narrow perspective. Sometimes the issue is there just aren't that many shows with diversity to choose from, which is a whole different topic. But this year, that doesn't seem to be the case. All right, let's get into the nominees. So Talia, who were you most surprised to see nominated this year? Oh, that's an easy one. I'd definitely say Bridgerton for sure. Really? Because Bridgerton was one of Netflix's most popular shows this year, and I absolutely love their cast. That's true. Their diverse casting is amazing. But when you get down to it, Bridgerton is just a Regency-era gossip girl. 
like a great guilty pleasure show, but not one worth winning any Emmys. I think I was most surprised to not see Superstore being nominated for anything. True. That show is hilarious. And even though their final season was weaker with the loss of America Ferreira, it's really a crime that throughout all its six seasons, it was never nominated for any Emmys. Yeah. And I'm disappointed that some truly great shows didn't even qualify for nominations because of their air days, which, you know, I guess it happens every year. But what does Aquafina have to do to get some recognition for Nora from Queens? Yeah, I feel the same way, but about sex education, not only is it a fantastic show for, like, different identities and sexualities, it's one of the few shows where teenagers actually talk how they do in real life. You know, not one of those shows where you cringe every time a teen speaks because it was clearly written by a middle-aged man. (laughs) That's true. And yeah, that, we just don't know enough British teen slang. (laughs) Yeah. All right, enough about who wasn't nominated. Let's talk about who was. Like, why was Emily in Paris nominated for Outstanding Comedy Series? I know. Does anyone even watch that show unironically? Yeah, and what was up with Hamilton being categorized as both variety special and a limited anthology series slash movie? I feel like you can't really compare Hamilton to the other nominees since, you know, it was written for and filmed in front of a stage while the others were made for television. I was hoping that one of the Hamilton nominees would win for Best Supporting Actress, at least. I really like Philippa Sue in the role of Eliza. Mm. With the pandemic running rampant this year, I guess the Academy had limited options. That's for sure. I really wish the Emmys had stepped up for diversity and inclusion, like how organizations claim to. Like, please start putting your words into action. Yeah, between The Crown, Ted Lasso, and Mayor of Easttown, the 2021 Emmys were just so white. Though... I will give the, ca- the cast of Ted Lasso some credit. Their main cast may not be very diverse, but their supporting cast is. Do you think they were really deserving of all of those Emmy wins, though? Hmm. I guess I would say mostly, with the exception of Brett Goldstein winning for Best Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. He was really good, uh, but was he Emmys good? Eh, hard to say. I haven't had a chance to see Ted Lasso, but why do you think the other Ted Lasso category wins ended up winning? I think shows like Ted Lasso are ones that people really needed during the pandemic. I mean, it's not just fun, entertaining, but also like really witty and wholesome and just made you smile. Everyone has been really struggling this past year and it's just, you know, nice to have something that can take you out of that and just make you happy, um, even if it is only just for 30 minutes. True, true. I mean, but there are other shows like that. Mm, You got me there. So which cast or actor would you have liked to have seen when? I really wish Michaela Cole had won for Outstanding Lead Actress in a Limited or Anthology Series. Um, At least she did win for Outstanding Writing, though. Yeah, Michaela Cole really is out there giving us some incredible content. And I'm glad she's finally getting some award-worthy recognition for it. I also would have really liked to see someone from Lovecraft Country take home an Emmy. It's really cool to see a sci-fi thriller with a mostly black cast, which is pretty original. Hmm, agreed. Let's talk about the Governor's Award. Well, for those of you who don't know, according to the Academy, the Governor's Award is given to an individual, company, organization, or project for outstanding achievement in the arts and sciences of television, which is either of a cumulative nature or is so extraordinary universal, it goes beyond the scope of the Emmy Awards presented. This year, it was given to Debbie Allen. With all that she's done throughout her life in acting, directing, and giving back, this award was definitely a good call. I'm glad to see the award go to a woman of color. 
Me too. The actual show was super fun, hosted by Cedric the Entertainer. He did a great opening segment poking fun of the J&J COVID vaccine as being the TJ Maxx of them. I used to work at J&J too, so that really stood out to me. Um, Then with WandaVision, he made fun of that for not being a show about Wanda Sykes, who's an optometrist. It was a funny disclaimer, actually, um, of what was to come, because he said that black people were expecting him to give the award to black actors. And it turns out that none won. So it's yeah, that wasn't his fault. Yeah, I heard he did a great job as host. I heard the highlights, the no Emmy support group with, quote, under-recognized, unquote, actors, Scott Bakula, Allison Hannigan, Fred Savage, Zoe Deschanel, Jason Alexander, and surprise guest, Dr. Phil. I thought it was a bit awkward and cringeworthy a little bit, but the intent, you know, made sense. Um, Then there was that skit with Cedric and his three TV wives, Tashina Arnold, Nisi Nash, and Terry J. Vaughn. That was pretty funny. Definitely feel for him there. Who could ever choose between Tashina, Nisi, and Terry J. Vaughn? Next time, though, the Emmys really should diversify their Academy voters to match the viewer demographics. So basically younger people and more people of color. Overall, though, minus Scott Frank, the Emmy ceremony itself had a pretty good vibe. A lot of camaraderie. All that being said, after a quick break, we will be joined by Anselm Beach and explore the deeper implications about the Emmys results and more. This episode is brought to you by Wolf Greenfield, an inclusive intellectual property law firm based in Boston and New York, offering a full range of IP services, including patent prosecution and litigation, opinions and counseling, trademarks, licensing, diligence, and more. Diversity and inclusion are integral parts of Wolf Greenfield's culture and are critical components of the firm's goals of innovation and teamwork and providing clients with optimal service. They understand that they have a professional obligation to promote equal access to justice, and this obligation begins at Wolf Greenfield, where they promote a collegial and familial atmosphere, set diverse hiring and retention goals, and mentor new team members. Check out their Diversity Fellowship Program, where IP Law Fellows are awarded up to $25,000. Anselm Beach is a co-host of the film and TV podcast, Too Much Screen Time, a show that delves into the cultural impact of the latest films and TV shows. Anselm is also a filmmaker and MFA grad student in the Film and Media Arts Program at American University. Welcome, Anselm. Thanks for being on our show. Thanks so much for having me. This is really exciting. It's kind of the first time as a like a podcast host that I'm getting to appear on someone else's podcast. So it's it's you know it's it's fun. Oh yay! Okay, that is exciting. Yeah, and I love bringing you on because you also care about not just TV and movies in general, but also specifically diversity and and the importance of it um, within film. Absolutely, that's my like. That's my passion is making sure that like all stories have equal weight and opportunity to be heard. So what did you think of the Emmys last night? Um, I thought that the Emmys were interesting. I'll say that when I whenever I watch the Emmys or any other award show, really, I'm watching it for two reasons. One, I'm watching it because it's a variety show and I want to see the production like the 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 hosts and the monologues, the writing, the 
presenters and performers. I think from that side of it, it, it's very intriguing. And so I think for last night's award ceremony, I really enjoyed that. I also go to the Emmys like and, and other award shows like most people do to see if the show or the film that I really love, that I'm championing that season gets the same amount of love and, and recognition that I think it deserves. And that's where, you know, you could be set up for a lot of disappointment. <laughs> and uh, as I, I was in many cases uh, last night. Absolutely. And although the show was entertaining, the main takeaway from the audience is that no actors of colors were recognized with a win. How is it that after so many promises to address diversity and make changes from institutions like the Academy and others, something like hashtag Emmy So Whites happens yet again? Coming off of a year where... The Emmys, last year's Emmys, was really trying to do like it. It was the, the time of year George Floyd had happened. We had just come off of a summer of protests um, for uh, racial equity and a, a summer where we're spending a lot of time digging into the the country's racist history and, and past and present. <laughs> um, you know, the Emmys, like every other business, is really espousing, oh yeah, diversity and getting these stories out there. And there were a lot of black winners last year um and for me it's like it's it's hard to weigh that out with like the fact that like why does it need why does it need to be that there are all all, there's all this violence that happens to marginalized people before like these the academy these organizations these corporations are finally willing to like okay let's shed a little bit of spotlight on them for now while the moment is hot get people looking and then, like, when we think that their sensibilities have or their sensitivities have, you know, diminished, we'll go back to honoring the same exact, you know, uh, insiders club of filmmakers and stories. Right. That it's we not have. top of mind for them naturally. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'll have yeah. your moments like there was a really cool moment where the cast of the cast and one of the creators of the show Reservation Dogs, which is known for having an all uh, indigenous cast. Um, main cast they come up and they give this presentation which is really cool like, yeah we're getting our stories out there yeah mm-hmm. like and then for for that moment to have been completely like the air let out of that moment by scott frank <laughs> yeah in his acceptance speech yes. oh my gosh yeah it was just a, a white man like nope you're not gonna cut the music off of me like he was debbie allen like you're you're not <laughs> debbie allen bro okay like sorry <laughs> He's like, I need more time. No, I still need more time. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. This year's event was disheartening. But moving away from that, I wanted to ask you, what do you think are some shows or movies that we should be celebrating, even if award ceremonies aren't? Um, So I'll talk about a TV show that technically could have made the cutoff for the this Emmys. Um, Okay. Barely, it just it it made it by like a few days. I think they they the cutoff was from January twentieth to May thirty first. So January twentieth, twenty twenty to May thirty first, twenty twenty one. So it was a very wide range given you know the pandemic and all that kind of stuff, right? So this show came out on Netflix May twenty third. It was the third season of a very acclaimed and popular TV series. I'm talking about the third season of Master of None. Oh yes. Uh, <laughs> So Master of None amongst single millennials is like this huge show. I I mean, like 
very few things captured what it felt like to be a millennial living in a big city, a person of color. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was it it, it was is such a great show. You know, it was shrouded in some controversy, given, you know, some details from Aziz Ansari's personal life that, you know, people you can you can look that up and, and find out what that is. Um, and so when Ansari goes into his th- this third season, I think very wisely, but also just very brilliantly, and I'm, and I'm grateful for this, he decided to kind of decenter himself. He only shows up twice in the entire five episode uh, series or season. And instead, he chooses to center Lena Waithe's character, Denise, and her relationship with her wife in the show, Aisha, played by, or Alicia, Aisha, one of those two, played by Naomi Ackie, a, a very uh, a great up-and-coming actress. You're going to be seeing her a lot more. And just after the kind of the, the manic, like, just kind of all over the place feel all over the place frenetic in a good way. I would say frenetic energy of the first two seasons where you have a young single guy who's trying to get into a relationship and what that feels like. We bring ourselves into a season where it's now the characters are in a committed relationship. They've been in a long-term committed relationship for a while and naturally the energy changes. I think a lot of people were struggling with that. They're looking, where's all the jokes? Where's like the New York city nightlife? Where's like the fun? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's there. It's just, it's a different, it's in a different form. It's different because lens. Is, mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I, yeah. And so I think the choice to center two black female queer characters in the show, giving them the kind of prestige treatment that they received. It was, it was breathtaking um in, in 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 moments and very very transcendental <laughs> so i i i, I okay. love that show that's awesome and why didn't it get um why didn't it qualify for this year's emmys if it i don't made know it by a few days okay yeah yeah it's, it's just possible that like it they just the academy was like oh we don't you know they just didn't get it or see it i mean you know i there's there's a whole business side behind the Emmys and behind these award shows that is, I don't know. I I think it, I think it stifles the amount of stories that really get brought onto that particular stage. Um, Mm -hmm. So it doesn't stifle like the stories are continuing to come out, just getting the honor and the acclaim and the recognition that they deserve. I think because of some of the old Hollywood systems that are really being questioned right now. Yeah, that's yeah. true. They have a lot of traditions and legacy that just keep, you know, going with the times, despite the diversity initiatives and efforts. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. What's one more film you want to talk about? Yeah. Um, so I loved Candyman. It just came okay. out. Um, <laughs> I have a very funny personal story with Candyman that if you want to know, you can check us out at Too Much Green Time. No, okay. uh, but no, I, I have a very <laughs> funny history. <laughs> Yeah, very funny history with uh, the Candyman franchise, if you will. But this particular uh, rendition of it that came out here in, uh, back in August stars Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as um, Anthony Burke. And I just, it was written and directed by, uh, gosh, Nia DaCosta. Yeah, it was written and directed by Nia DaCosta. She became the first black woman uh, to open a box office as a, at number one 
in history. Mm-hmm. So that was really awesome. And this film is just amazing. I, I won't go into too many details because I really want people to see it, but there've been a lot of horror films and kind of, and sci-fi films that have sought to tackle some of the more violent aspects of the black experience. And again, that's the violence that's done to black people in this country in the name of white supremacy, in the name of capitalism, right. and well, not centering them within the story. Exactly. Like the original exactly. candy man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not exactly. Like just like that. The original candy man tried to aim at that, but it was the lead was a white woman, like mm-hmm. investigating this stuff. But anyway, in this rendition, it's, the mostly all black main cast really get to explore some of these topics in what I think was a very redemptive and empowering way that other, even black led TV shows and films recently have failed at. I'm talking about them on Amazon. If you guys have seen that, I do not recommend that show. It's it's again, it's black helmed, it's a horror film that digs into the black experience, but it definitely bordered on brutalizing and just shocking by showing these images that re-traumatized me, I would say. Um, but Candyman, on the other hand, delves into those topics in a way that I think really centers the humanity of the people who are experiencing it. And, um, right, and while, the people who are killed yeah. um, are done off screen and not in like gruesome and Exactly. Exactly. The black people in in, in the film, Mm -hmm. white people (laughs) getting to see, you know, white people who are exploiting the main character die. It's not like I'm sitting there like, yeah, you go candy man. But this is definitely the opposite dynamic of most films. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I think it was really great and I highly recommend it. Nice. I love that. Okay. Well, yeah. Thanks, Anson, for being on the show. It was really nice hearing your thoughts on diversity and Emmys and, and TV and movies. Um, do you want to yeah, share with our audience where to find you and your podcast, Too Much Screen Time? Sure. So you can find our podcast. It's Too Much Screen Time. Screen Time is one word. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, pretty much anywhere you can listen to your podcast. You can also follow us on Instagram and Tinder, and you can also follow us on Instagram. I'm sorry. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at TM screen time and uh, email us at too much screen time at gmail.com. So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. Anselm. yeah, my, it was my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. This episode of the Inquivy movie podcast is hosted by Talia Werber and me, Kathy Yee. I also serve as the show's executive producer. Our show is produced and edited by Hazel Boulevard. Special thanks to Anselm Beach for joining us this week. Our theme music is made by Waterboy. You can visit Incluvi.com to see the Incluvi score for a movie and read reviews focused on diversity and identity in media. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram or support us on Patreon at Incluvi. That's I-N-C-L-U-V-I-E. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to join us in two weeks for a new episode with a special guest.